Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. Stop dying. <laughs> is that get the way the right it starts? Get the right treatment. <laughs> you no, know, that is funny. I got a message from a guy I don't know on Facebook. He's a friend of yours, and he's a friend, I think he's a friend of Mike's, but he, he, he send, starts, don't die, Chuck. <laughs> don't die, Chuck. Start the same Stop way, dying. The same way Stevie signed my uh, record was, don't die, Chuck. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, a, it was a necessary point to make about four years ago. Really was. I just knew, you know, I, I don't know if, I think I've said it before, I just noticed about I don't know when it was before Aloe, so it's more than seven years ago. The clients that I would see, I would hear that they died like three weeks later. That and consistently hear it. There's like maybe 2008, 2009, 2010. And I never had so many people die. And so, and because I had thousands of clients in my life. In the old days, do you know? Seven on average, seven hundred addicts a year came through our treatment center. You know how many people that is that you meet and assess and do mm. groups with. Yep, seven hundred. And I was there for nine yeah, years. Seven hundred. Seven. No, but for <laughs> for nine years, right? Oh yeah, six thousand three hundred. Yeah. That's a lot of motherfucking drug addicts. And and you know, for the first four or five thousand, maybe like a handful or or a dozen died. And then all of a sudden it started this like every other month there was somebody that I had had in group died, you know, yeah. in sober living or like, and so I just started saying it to people. I'd hug them after I did this aftercare group and I'd say, you know, and I had this sense that they weren't surrendered, Chuck. <laughs> I would say, don't die. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So then what do you think Bernie Sanders is talking about? There is the, the pharmaceutical, uh, Trump has not gone up against the pharmaceuticals like he says he did. He said <laughs> that there is, uh, the drugs are 10.5% more than they were um, a year ago. Yeah, well, the main one is Suboxone. So because Suboxone is the solution to the opioid crisis that the pharmaceutical industry created, they got the Trump administration to remove the patent restrictions on Suboxone because it's such an essential life-saving medicine. Fantastic. So it will never go generic. Perpetuity. Right, and it's a private... private. Yeah, it's a drug company from England, company, yeah. right? Now, but I mean, I you know, I'm more about, like, why... How can we change the narrative? How can we change what's going on? I don't think you can just keep reacting to the trends, the trends in the insurance industry, the trends in rehab, the trends in, in the pharmaceutical industry, the trends in government regulation of all those things. I think you got to go right to the fucking source, which is the drug addict themselves, and you've got to tell them the fucking truth of it. Right, you got to kill the demand. But you can't in a, a for-profit absence-based treatment center because you'll go out of business. You tell them the truth, they'll just go down the street to the place that lies to them, right? And the well, truth yeah. is, you're you know you're pathetic and your life is <laughs> shit, and you're you're you know people have to be paid to even listen to you talk. The very very few success stories 
could go, my life was total shit. I got on Suboxone and it was straight up from there. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, I think it's an affordable alternative. Instead of wasting trillions of dollars on absence-based treatment where your hands are tied, you can't do anything. You got to just do what the insurance industry tells you to do. But you make a great point because we have, we have a mutual friend right now who's kicking methadone again. Wow. And... Um, that's not something you really want to do repeatedly. <laughs> no, and, and to go... To, I did it one time. That takes once, a long once time. Was it? To, yeah. go, to go from 100 milligrams down to... Oh, my God. Down to zero is, is, a, is a bummer, and it's painful and to it watch. It takes like a year. And not a stupid man. No. And, and not... But an addict, and, and when, when someone offers, this is the solution, how do, you, how do you get that truth through to somebody who knows... I mean that, that, that what they're that being is, told suboxone's the solution to methadone addiction uh no he's he's on methadone because he was he was told that it's the solution to his problems well I mean but, and and, the, and if here's my argument about it if it proves not to be then try something else right that's the problem of of the repetitive nature of absence-based treatment Mike uh, kind of just when I, we're trying to use the technical term of what rehab the rehab that chuck works in that i work in the rehab as traditionally known in the american public is called abstinent based treatment meaning you're taking somebody who's either addicted to a lot of different substances or one particular substance and you're gonna have them go through a system and and in the end, they're going to be sober, and they're going to go to abstinence based twelve steps. So, ab- absence, right? Like abstinence, abstinence, abstinence based, like as in no, no. You abstinent. don't use drugs. Right, you right. don't use drugs, you don't use right? Drugs. So it's sobriety. What you what what you, t- you detox them and you get them off of everything. Yeah, what off you've of everything, done, and Mike, don't be on that's any. What I like. That's right. what yeah. I think people should go. I well, think they should endure a little pain, and I think they should feel this shit. Yeah, well, people don't want to feel, and they don't. They they're overwhelmed by, by their feelings. So, the psychiatric community and the and the pharmaceutical industry have now created. You should never feel anything negative. That's a part of the m- makeup of American society. That you should never feel any discomfort, anxiety, pain, depression. It's illogical. Life <laughs> is. Pain, depression, anxiety, amongst other things, joy, but it's a part of it, and right? Joy yeah. And 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 uh, and and happiness and 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 like boredom and it's a million things. Oh, that's my that's my least favorite answer. Boredom. Uh, yeah, you know, man, one of my biggest triggers is boredom. And <laughs> well, and you know what Gloria used to say. That's because you're a boring motherfucker. <laughs> right, that's a, my mom used to say the same thing to me all the time. You're only that's bored rocking. if you're boring. Get outside and do something. Pick yeah, up I, a guitar. No, go no, do I, something. I do it in an amiable way. I say, I know. I'm I, every time I'm with you, I'm bored shitless. You got nothing <laughs> if, interesting. If I were you, nothing interesting to say. I have be, no no ambition. Nothing. Nothing is interesting <laughs> about you. So I'd be bored too if I was you. Yeah, it's got to be rough. Why don't you try to think about what do you want in life? What dream? Fucking try to get some ideas about what's important to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you can't quantify that in a chart, and you can't bill for it, and you can't make money off it, so nobody does it. Oh, you can add it as an extra. I mean, that's, oh! that, that's, a, that's a freebie. Oh! That's on the house. <laughs> that, that's like that's one of my favorite things that. Um, uh, but treatment used to be all about those conversations, and it wasn't dictated by the bullshit insurance industry to tell you how to treat drug addicts. Yep. I'm telling you, you got a 
you got authorized at Los Encinas, we'd get authorized for 21 days. Do whatever the fuck you want with them. You get 21 <laughs> days, right? Okay. We'll talk to you day 18, see how he's doing. <laughs> so you wouldn't have a utilization review for 21 days? In the beginning when I got there in 2003. Wow, that's right? a long time. Then it started a couple of years later. It started with this, you know, levels of care. So you got detox, you got authorized for five days. And now I want you to step them down to, you know, residential treatment, right? Not right. inpatient treatment. So that's why we started a residential treatment program at Los Encinas because they weren't authorizing inpatient treatment, which was hospitalization, right? Right. So that's when it began, like 2005, I really noticed like you are as being more and more a part of our thing. Used to be you just get authorized and you deal with it, right? But mm-hmm. when when I was doing it, we had union contracts too. We had the jockeys union. The oh, Santa how Anita. Fun. Dude, sometimes we'd have four or five little people. <laughs> <laughs> how cool. I want to hang out with them. One of them got uh, sober and won the Kentucky Derby. Nice. How crazy is that? We had one in my home group. We had one in my home group. Oh, like, they're a thing. Yeah, we had I, I, know, I know, that this sounds terrible. The worst no, but I've you know, ever. the guy was but, so cool, and he was little, but he drank so much, and, and he was on a bunch of pain pills, too, because he, you get all beat up bouncing around horse, yeah. on the horses. They're some of the greatest athletes in the world. That's what I learned from being around them. But anyways, you had these contracts. Las Vecinas had a contract with um, Santa Anita Racetrack. We had the trainers, the jockeys, the management people. And that was, you know, that's how treatment centers operated. They had relationships with industry, and then you serve that population. We also, when when um, when the first round of... Of Af- of Afghani and Iraqi vets came in 2003, 2004. We took TRICARE, which I think a lot of people are taking now, which was the military insurance. So we had a lot mm. of military, a lot of jockeys. It was an interesting mix of people. <laughs> yeah, some Navy SEALs and some jockeys. And there was no like middle class kids who have good insurance. That was not, that didn't even exist until Obamacare. It didn't yeah. even exist. So the treatment is pre prior to the Parity Act and Obamacare and post Parity Act and Obamacare, and so what messed it all up is this healthcare system. So when people say our healthcare system, uh, you know, they say anything negative against Obamacare, and you attack them because they, you think they're a Trumper or something, just try to think about things in a more intelligent way. Obamacare <laughs> screwed up the the addiction treatment community i know that yeah at least it did i watched it mm-hmm. right them dictating what we do and they're going to reward us with two thousand dollars a day that's why all the scumbags got involved in it nobody i guarantee you when i was working in treatment i've been working in it since 99 nobody in their right mind that wanted to make money worked in the recovery industry no but there was government cheese man <laughs> so, and you know what government cheese brings so out every na- time so now it's 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 going back the other way and i'm hoping you know, i'm staying i know that i know that you're you're thinking about trying to do things differently i i figure people who do this because they love it and really aren't that concerned with becoming multimillionaires will stay. All the people who wanted to be multimillionaires, as soon as they realize they're not going to be, they'll leave, right? Mm-hmm. But right now we're in this transitional period, right? 
Right. We're still both. Right. And so I'm, I'm just hoping that we can get back to telling people the truth. Like, dude, uh, you know, one of the greatest things I've had a thousand, you know, hundreds of clients tell me, you know what? You said this thing to me. And it's always a very direct, honest thing. It's never like, you asked me how about my relationship with my perpetrator. <laughs> they never, it's never that. It's like at aftercare one time, you said, ah, oh, you're full of shit, but I love you. So, you know, I love you, dude. You're full of shit, but I love you. Like, in a, and hug a person. That, that, that's what helps people feel a part of, connected, loved, all that stuff that I believe in. That's not what the insurance companies believe in. You know, and that, that's, no, but that's a vital thing. You were, we were talking the last time about what, how do you help kids? I mean, when kids feel connected, that's another thing that can help. There's no one answer, but feeling connected and feeling that, that there's truth, not, hey, man, uh, love you, mean it. But when there's a real when there's a real connection with people, I think that does more. There are certain people here. I'll tell the truth. There are certain addict clients that I have that I really like, and there's some I can't stand. And I tell them, <laughs> I tell them, <laughs> I don't they like. <laughs> they shouldn't be like having me as a counselor if we don't connect and we don't communicate right, and they don't like me and I don't like them. Oh no, no, that's when you go. This isn't working. Yeah, you got to switch. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, eventually, you know, because I was on television, everybody wanted me to be their counselor just because fame is another huge cesspool of our society. Right. And I would be like, dude, we have nothing in common. You don't listen to a word I say. You never laugh. I can only operate with people that laugh and have a joy and, and a kind of a freedom. I don't have any answer for you. <laughs> You, I would tell yeah, people yeah, that. Yeah, you know what I mean. People be so serious and they take notes. Like just because I'm on television, something I'm saying <laughs> is worth well, noting. Yeah, because it was on TV. Because yeah, quote all of a from sudden, Bob Forrest. And and I, the market that don't die junkie bear that just has this little bear that says, "Yeah, you're full of shit, but I love you." That's But he went from parent of the year because Gloria used to say that to me. Yeah. That that made me feel it was the truth, right? Mm -hmm. It was the truth in a way that I could hear it and we could both laugh. Instead of the stale, dry, clinical bullshit way that things are done nowadays, it doesn't help anybody. Well, how big would a place how big would a place have to be to be able to function? I mean Well, cry, I was in Cry Help when she told me that. There was like uh, 70 people in there. That's huge. Right, yeah. but not everybody was getting the same experience. Obviously, her caseload adored her, and you know what I mean. Like she was something else. They're, they don't make. Here's another thing: they don't make people like her anymore. Right? I was probably the palest comparison. I did it for ten years. I can't do it anymore. I can't have fucking seven hundred people in my life every year. I can't. Nobody can do that. That's superhuman what Gloria did. She was a counselor for 28 years. Jeez. She had a caseload every day for 28 years. After like 10, I wanted to kill myself every day. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, does, it does get wearing. I mean, the idea that, I mean, I. So I, you move to management if you're good at it or whatever. You move to management and then you try to teach other people. And I did that at Los Encinas. Now all those other people run all these programs all over LA. 
And I feel like, I don't know. I did what I could do. I try to spread the message. I try to be honest. I try to share what Gloria and Buddy Arnold and, and all these people taught me. Just be honest and be loving. That's it. Honest and loving isn't in the insurance manual. It should be. But it's not. So, so that's why treatment doesn't, isn't as effective anymore. And now you have multi-generations of clinicians who don't even know how to be honest or loving. It's called attachment in their world. Attachment. Huh. Form a healthy attachment, right? So, so I, I just think it's going to go back to the basics. It's going to go back to people who really care and they're going to start helping in their communities. It hasn't happened yet, right? Because what, right now, I, get, I probably got three emails or a couple calls. I get calls all the time. Hey, can you get this person in? That's not a 12-step call. Texting Bob <clears throat> Forrest to get somebody into treatment is not a 12-step call. And I always have to say, are you with the dude right now? Oh, no, I saw him at a meeting last night. I, was, I wanted to give him your number. That's not a 12-step call, motherfucker. Go to his house. See if he wants to be sober today. Take him to a meeting. Take him to a meeting or take him to Denny's or go record shopping. I didn't always go to meetings with people. Right. I'd take him to Amoeba. No, that's, 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 a vital, that's a vital part of what I've, I've done. I, I tell that to, to, to young guys, and they, they, don't, they don't understand that at all. I go, you know what, call somebody, and they go, I know, go to a meeting. I say, no, go to a movie, go see a band, go to the beach, go walk the pier, go outside, yeah. go do life. Life does not, my life never, for the first few years, it did circle right around AA in a really tight circle, but it's a loose circle. Now, I mean, it's just like, it, go, yeah, just like everywhere I go is, is new and when unique. When I got sober, uh, the people who had the most influence on me, obviously Gloria and Buddy, but they were more in the clinical realm. But the, but the community realm was Chris Hoy, his girlfriend, Bianca. They had, Bianca was one of the funnest sober people ever. It's so sad. She was a, in a band called Butt Trumpet. You ever heard of that? Band? I have heard of Butt and Trumpet. And then they, <laughs> then they had another band, a metal band. I forget what it's called. Shannon Needles was a guitar player and Bianca was the bass player, singer. Uh, Betty Blowtorch. Oh, I heard yeah. of them too. She she saved me and helped me in so many ways. So, you know, everybody else saying go to meeting every day. She said, you know, Saturday we're going to have this fun scavenger hunt thing and you're going to be a part of it and you're going to do every single part of it. And I was like, what, what, are, what are you talking about? She goes, there's going to be things that guys are going to puss out on. You're not going to puss out on it. Promise me. And I was staying at her house, so I was like, I promise, <laughs> I promise. So the end of the scavenger hunt was a beauty con, a drag queen beauty contest, oh. and me and Keith Morris, Keith in drag, me in drag, Chris Hoy in drag, we did a, a beauty contest, a walk around in this park in Silver Lake off Descanso, off of off uh, yeah Descanso, and that was at a different time where it wasn't like applauded. Yeah, no, it was kind of. <laughs> I took it seriously. I wanted to win. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> but but I still have a picture of me and Keith dressed in drag. We had a scavenger hunt, and you went across the. It was just in East Hollywood area. You had to go to this place. You had to go to a supermarket and buy these things. It was so fun. It was one of the funnest things I ever did. Mm. It had nothing to do with AA, but it was all sober people. Nobody right. does shit like that anymore. Well, you know, it's something that was just dumb but fun that they did at a chili cook-off. Have you ever heard of a frozen t-shirt contest? No, I want to okay. know. <laughs> okay, well, they take a t-shirt, they soak it, 
Right. They fold it up super small and then freeze it. Yeah. And the thing is, you have to get it unfolded and put on. Oh, I could do that. And it is hard. You got They beat them against rocks. They no, sit on them. They try to warm them up. Water. No, you, you don't get hot water. You, it's just you. The whatever. Oh, you, oh, you can only do with you, your hands it, and stuff. Yeah, it's all whatever's ah. within this little area. And trying to get that thing put it, off. Put it under your arm. And then the, put it under your there's arm. There's so many different ways I watch people trying to. But it was so cool because there were fat people, skinny people, all people taking off their shirts and doing this thing. And I'm going, "What the hell is this?" And they all had all these little frozen things and watching them struggle See, and trying to. Like that, it was what? goofy and cool. Fun, yeah, fun, fun. You know, everybody has their favorite parts of the literature. Mine is I that we wear our our sobriety like loose, comfortable garment. Like it's this is my life. You know what I mean? This is how I live my life. My life ends. It's not, I don't have a sober life and then a home life. I just have a <laughs> life. Right. And sobriety is a is an interwoven part of it. It's not the most important part. It's not the top part. It's it's interwoven what's more important your heart or your liver you know what i mean your Good lungs or your lungs or your right. brain right That's like the- it's you're a, it's an integrated system of of caring about yourself and other people and what addicts when you become an addict or whatever when you're an active addiction you don't care about yourself or other you're incapable of caring about other people because you have to concern yourself with your caring about you getting well getting money getting this getting that and it's like a hamster in a wheel you're just like obsessed with you and your feelings and sickness and diarrhea and symptoms and blah 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 and money and cops and money and cops and money and cops and money cops and money were very important to me but the obsessed with you is the part that carries over into early treatment yes obsessed with me and and we indulge it rather than say you know gloria used to say you know, she, I'd come to her with some problem. I'd say, Gloria, you know, so-and-so did this, and then they did that. And she would sit there, and she would look at me with a smile, and she would say, you know that you're just one of seven billion people on this planet, don't you, Bobby? <laughs> you're just one of seven billion. Just- Imagine how many problems like you just described there are on Earth. Yeah. And, uh, huh. like, I, at first, I didn't even get it. I was like, well, I don't care about that. <laughs> like, this girl well, was mean to me. <laughs> yeah, it hurt my feelings. Well, that's that, that, that just, I just had that thought too. Again, it happens every time there's like earthquakes, right? We had these earthquakes. And my big thing was, you know, it's like, you know, this earth is a living, breathing thing, even we don't think of it as. And it could just shrug us off its shoulders anytime it feels like it. And, you know, I got to feel teeny tiny you know in that moment let's study the reactions to the earthquake because because for the first time ever native los angelians were being what babies about it well, i I'd think that's a, that's a that. social thing well i never seen that before i'm from la me and p weiss were at dodger stadium me chrissy sydney were sitting on the ground floor and pete was on the floor above us right and and we started we didn't feel it on the ground, but the crowd started freaking out. We thought there was a fight on the field, and Chrissy was like, what's going on? People were screaming, going nuts. This is at Dodger Stadium. What? And I turned to look at Pete, because he's always the authority in my life, mm-hmm. like God, sitting yeah. up there. One, what he, should we do, he Pete? Was, uh, about 40 feet up, and he just went like this. He just shrugged his shoulders. And then I realized, and people were running up, up the decks to get to regular land right 
And I turn and I was like, I think it's an earthquake. And the guy behind me goes, yeah, it's a, it's a really bad one. I go, can you feel it? And he goes, kind of. I go, I can't feel it's it. It's really bad. And when we looked at the field, he goes, the guy behind me goes, look, they're not even stopping playing. The Dodgers just continued to play. Mm-hmm. The whole upper decks were running for <clears throat> safe ground. And the Dodgers kept playing. And I was like, oh, whatever. And then we started getting the news reports on her phone, 7.1, 6.9. I was like, that's, a, that's worse than Northridge. Well, that's yeah, a big those, deal. But yeah. I wasn't like, I'm going to die. So no. then I text Pete. Like, he was the only one sitting upstairs that didn't even get up out of his seat. And I go, dude, what, didn't you, were you, what was it like up there? And he was like, it was shaking. It was going five feet one way to the other. And I thought, what better way to go than watching the Dodgers at Dodger State? <laughs> <laughs> See for you. For me, that would be a horrible way to go. <clears throat> really, I'm, I'm going to die. You'd rather be watching Rancid at the observatory. <laughs> Absolutely. If Rancid was at the observatory, you would go. What better way to go? I would go. This is this is not a bad way. This is pretty <laughs> so, good. I would wish I had a cigar though. So, but you know what I'm saying. So. I just come from a breed of people that earthquakes don't bother us. I remember me and Fushante were like up really late at night one night. <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> and there was this horrible earthquake. It was probably in 92. It was, 93? Before, it was before the Northridge one. So 90, 91, there was a really bad one. And, you know, we were already a little edgy, <laughs> to say the least. And uh, we just went, we just both intuitively, born in Southern California, we just went into the hallway of my apartment, and he got in one doorway, and I got in the other, and we just right. rode it out, and it lasted like a minute, minute and a half. It was a big one, right? Right. And then once it was over, we were like, right back to the kitchen. Right. <laughs> Not worried about the rest of it. <clears throat> but it, the, the- now the paranoia that's just being stoked by media and the reaction of native Los Angeles about these earthquakes. Like, dude, the big one's coming. I'm looking forward it's to it. It's absolutely coming. It's going to be fucking badass. Right. And I had a, I had a client come in today because my, my first thing was, it, it just, okay, it's a big event and, I, and everybody made it about their, their own selves immediately on facebook and, and instagram yeah. and it was just like oh, oh it's all this you don't have to tell me there was an earthquake i was there you know or people calling and saying are you all right well what are you gonna do you don't even live in the state i appreciate the call but leave the lines open in case other people need crazy. them but the the um this guy came in today and goes man i've been having trouble sleeping since that earthquake oh, and i god, go give me I a go, fucking break and I, and I did a bob i go you're fucking kidding me right <laughs> and he goes no and i go he goes why and i said because you have this something you can't worry about well i i started posting you know you're seven times more likely in southern california to die on the freeway than you are stay out of the cars if you're nobody's like paranoid like oh my god i saw an accident i can't go out oh oh it's just it's just another symptom of how sick this society is. Right, and, and not realizing that you're not in control of shit. Anyhow, th- a meteor could be streaming towards the planet right now, going to wipe us out tomorrow, and we wouldn't know it. You think the government would tell you if they knew? Everybody would go into a blind, blind panic and start eating each other like they do in Florida or something. If, if people knew that the world was going to end tomorrow, they wouldn't tell you. So just relax and enjoy the ride. I don't want to get into that fakey news thing, but I really do believe that there is a lot that's withheld i i just experienced it on fourth of july um oh yeah yeah it was crazy 
It was the craziest thing. I was the second person to this event. There's no way it was an accident. And it's been reported in the in the it's been register yeah. and whitewash and oh, it's just a mechanical failure and blah 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 and da 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 da. And I was like, you know, I would believe it's a mechanical failure if one of the first things out of the man who crashed into a crowd of people wasn't stormtroopers. That's what he said. We were trying to get him get out of the truck, and then I was searching underneath the truck for bodies, and this other guy was pounding on the wind. He didn't want to get out of the truck. Right? This is at the 4th of July parade at Claremont, California. The guy goes 40 miles an hour into a crowd of people. Right? Right, right, right. Okay, nobody was killed, nobody was injured but him. Right? Because I know, because I and my friends were sitting there. Luckily, my children were in the sandbox and didn't see what I and my friend Dave and his wife saw. He was going towards people, and then at the end, he couldn't do it. And he turned right and crashed into a building. That's what happened. Oh, it's a mechanical error. Mechanical failure. Oh, something happened, a medical emergency. The guy's not been charged. There's been no psych eval. There's no been a, no inspection to the truck to see if there was mechanical failure. There's just been a whitewashing of it all because I believe because of the Claremont colleges don't want bad publicity where dangerous terrorist kind of things happen. Well, that, that uh, shit doesn't happen in Mayberry. I mean, uh, it look, was, it look, was Mayberry. You saw my oh, yeah. Instagram tweet, but, right? But, Even I was like, it was an accident. Everything's okay. Because here's the thing my friend Dave said. It's so funny. The cover story lie we told our children is actually what came out on the news. We knew what happened. <laughs> we saw the dude. We witnessed the whole thing. It wasn't an accident, but we told Elvis and Sydney and his kids, like, yeah, it was, oh, yeah, that something must have happened with the throttle cable, right? And that's what the police chief said, and that's what the newspapers are selling. But I, you know, I just figure everything about me and media is kind of a half lie, right? But one of the things that everybody thinks I'm very wealthy because you Google my name and then it oh, says yeah. net worth. Like, I'm not worth one hundredth of that. That's too <laughs> you bad. Know what I mean? Then why are we friends? Why I am know, I sitting here? I Chris Hansen, I love him. He's our guitar player for years. And we're driving to to write, write songs, right? And he goes, Bob, do you mind if I ask you a question? And I was like, no, no, what? And he goes, have you been really, really successful? And I was like, I didn't know how, I didn't know, I was like, I guess, kind of like, I don't know what you mean, Chris. And he goes like, no, are you really wealthy? And I was like, oh, no, no, what are you talking about? And he goes, no, no, I just had heard something. And I knew that he had Googled me and there's <laughs> net worth, Bob Forrest worth $9 million. I want to sue that motherfucker. Where is my money? Absolutely. <laughs> Let's find Bob's money. If anybody out there can help us find Bob's money, we're missing. And, about so, and I've done this because I do have people that you can search the net worth and I've asked them. Right, or I've asked their friends or their wives. Like, is so? I, I asked this friend of mine that says he's worth uh, 50, twenty million dollars, and I asked his girlfriend, "Is he really worth? Is he? How much do you think he's got?" And she goes, "Oh, he spends everything he's got." Like, so <laughs> he's I, I like to know that there are people like me, right? So there, everything that's on the internet is a half lie, and who knows what the truth is? And now there's just overt covering up and whatever. So when you say they wouldn't tell you. They wouldn't even tell you after the meteor hit the earth. Or if it just missed, they wouldn't go, oh, it just missed. 
<laughs> that wasn't a big plane. <laughs> was I think we now live in that time where when there's an old newspaper journalism joke, when you have the choice between printing the truth and the myth, print the, tr- the myth, right? Because people want to believe the myth. Whether it's yeah. about whether it's about FDR or Kennedy or you know and print the myth. One, we live in mytho- mythological times now. There is no truth, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so I've just gotten used to it. I don't even know what the truth is about myself. Maybe I am worth nine million dollars, and I just don't know it. You, you got to check let, your pants let, before gonna, you do the laundry. I'm going to check my Chase account right now. <laughs> I think there's ninety eight dollars in there. <laughs> That's not even close. And I get paid next Monday. Oh, so, no. but Chrissy's got money. <laughs> no, I hope she does. What's in her account? Uh, yeah, I don't. I have eighty five dollars and ninety cents. Where are we going to eat? <laughs> no, I could get. I could, and I think there's some eBay stuff that's coming out of that. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say so you funny. sold some stuff. So, so think about it. When I'm going around and people that have Googled and they think I have nine million dollars, I really have eighty-five dollars and ninety cents. It's crazy. Wrong guy to try and rob. Don't steal it's, his identity. But, but I just believe that's my reality of what the media says about you, right? Mm-hmm. Also, that I'm this good guy. I'm not a good guy. <laughs> Whoever said that? Mike, did you say that? <laughs> no, Mike knows. They say it about me. I don't know where they get it from. Somebody tells him, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I read it somewhere that I'm a really good-hearted, caring guy. I'm not. I'm wow. a contemptible, Journalism cantankerous. Is dead. No, but I mean, it's just people's gossipy bullshit, right? Well, I tell people, but no one listens. I know somebody now. I got in with somebody that's you know in Kanye's camp, right? And so, you know, you hear so much about him, and you don't know what's true and what's false. Um, the bipolar thing is exaggerated. The mega thing is a conscious joke, pop culture thing he's fucking with people with. But the religion thing is real. What's his religion? I, oh, I don't dude, know he's a minister it. now. Oh, really? Are you not keeping track? No, I, I try not to Do you watch. not follow the Kanye? Oh, and Chuck's a minister too. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah, I am. Well, no, I'm not a minister. I'm a pastor. Oh, what's the fucking difference? What is well, the difference? I, I do weddings and that's it. <laughs> but what's the fucking difference? Says the guy who told his daughters, nothing yeah. happens. We're just going to cremate him and he's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can do funerals. I can do can baptisms. You do I can do, but. Oh, maybe I'm going to torture Chuck and I'll put it in my will that he has to do my funeral. Then he'll yeah. have to be yeah. there for free. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I do. I do the weddings for free. Do you? Yeah, it's just really? you know a friend of mine. Um, uh, this guy I know said, "Man, I'll get married, and if you if you do it." And so I went online and I got my Universal Life Church pastoral certificate and my clergy card, so I can park in clergy parking, which is kind of rad. But. Yeah, your wife, but your wife thought... Nothing fucking makes sense anymore, right? I mean, if you need a high school diploma, you go online, you pay $4, and you print it out. Well, you know, I've done nine weddings, and they've all stuck so far, and I'm doing another one on October. Let's make some predictions. Like, you know, there's these internet uh, clickbaits about the 1990s and things you'll never see again or never hear again. Let's try to project out 15 years from now. Fireworks will not exist 15, 20 years from now. Kids... Elvis could care less about fireworks. 
Kids could care the fuck less. We, they got the greatest fireworks displays around here. Claremont's got a huge one. We went last year. We went down to Pomona Fairgrounds this 4th of July. They just want to go. Can we do cartwheels? Is there lawn around here? What are you doing? <laughs> I go, dude, things are exploding in the sky. And he goes, eh, it's not It that. used to be a totally oh. cool effect that you couldn't simulate anywhere else. And now you see it everywhere. And, I mean, when we were on, when we had I've our black and white. I've got it in an app. I've got it in an app. I can right. put it on a picture of you. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, well, and then when also, we had a black we... and white TV and you got to go see it in real life and it was huge. Yeah, fireworks are not going to survive. And I, and you know, and I've been saying for you, I don't think unless a twelve-step world bucks up and steps up and starts being active again, I don't think it'll be around twenty-five years from now. I don't. I don't think people are going to join it. If somebody doesn't, if if another generation doesn't embrace and enjoy and 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 be a, become a part of something, it dies. I got one for you. I think live music. Live music will be replaced by watching it in your own I, I, home. I don't think, I think the way, when I go places, it's not younger folks. The only the only thing that younger folks show up in droves for is pre-recorded music and light shows. No, but I, but I, I think about myself. Um, and this happened over this last year's Coachella was sponsored by YouTube, right? But I was there. And I, in the back of my mind, I was like, I could just be home watching this. Like every every con, every artist you could watch on YouTube, like mm. three songs or something. That's all you really need, isn't it? After Kids like it. to go out and see live music. I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking. They about. like to take selfies, Mike. No, they, they don't. You know, I have a fourteen-year-old. Your daughter. daughter is an exception to a rule. How many of her friends are like that? She's like, she's begged me to go to this regrets thing out at Pappy and Harry. Your daughter is an exception. Is your daughter she's your daughter? Yeah, how many so. of her friends are dying to go? My kids but, dig it, well, but their friends other, don't. One of her other friends loves music and wants to go see live music I all understand. the time. I took him when you told me to, to you know, call our friend. Uh, he got me into the rock scene when I took her to see the garden because she just loved the garden. Right. You know, and it's like no. live music. I know Although that was kind of weird because the the hip hop guy, Big Mike, that opened up for him. Yeah sampled Ramones and played Simpson videos in the background and rapped over it. Yeah, it's called a mashup. There's what a the lot of fuck, stuff like man? that. I was like, this <laughs> is cool, actually. <laughs> yeah. No, I like a lot of that but, stuff. But multi, a, multi, a single man multimedia event is, is different than what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that the whole band thing where you've got live live drummer and all that stuff, that's one of those things that I think is fading. I think we've been watching ah, it it's fade. It's never going to go away, dude. There's always going to be cool bands. Well, uh, of course. Kids are, kids are always Mike, gonna there's be still jazz clubs in LA, but nobody goes to them. Okay, well, you know what I mean. I so things are shrinking. You, but I think you're wrong. But I think people, I hope I'm wrong. I think people like one of the problems right now. It's in a transition because it's a misunderstood social media and music. I mean, it was not too long ago you went and bought something physically and put it into a machine and played it, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so we're in this transitional thing. The problem of modern artists is they're not very entertaining. That's why when somebody comes along like Billie Eilish. Right. You oh, my about God. Oh, you talked about her a Oh, bunch, my dude. God. She's the most amazing artist going. Now, I've seen all of them. I've seen Tyler, the Creator. I've seen Chance the Rapper. I've seen them all. They don't... And Kendrick Lamar, even though I love his record, two of his records, he's boring as shit to watch. 
It's well, fucking, yeah, what you say, it's just a bunch of videos and him walking across stage like every other rapper has done for the last 30 years. There's nothing unique about it. There's nothing dangerous about it. Oh, no. Right? But, but there is, when an artist comes along and they can and they can capture that energy that the Beatles had, that that the Rolling Stones had, that Led Zeppelin had, that Bob Dylan had. I mean, I watched that Bob Dylan Rolling Thunder review. It, that, he's like on fire. He's like a man possessed. You can't look away from him. He's so amazing. There are no. There's a lot of great mm. artists that make great records nowadays. There are no artists like that other than Billie Eilish. You can't take your eyes off her. Well, you, She's amazing. You know who does? Who's huge in that way? Because like uh, Saturday Night Live is off right now, like for the summer. But BTS, that K-pop band. Oh yeah, they had that kind of, and, 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 but they had that kind of bang, bang, response bang. where everybody bang, in the bang, audience bang, was right? going crazy. Dude, we're a K-pop house. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, it's, it's you know, going twenty-four-seven. Jeff McDonald is huge on that stuff. He's been pushing it for bang, bang, years. bang. But the, but the whole idea of that, I, I see. But that's that's not even what I'm talking about as far as music. That's that's boy band stuff. But at least that's got people showing up and going out no, and it's wanting exciting. to be. It's exciting. It is. It is exciting, and it's more than one person standing in front of a screen with pre-recorded music. It's and a whole I'm bunch not, of them. I get accused like, "Oh, you're a grumpy guy." I'm the, I'm the okay. only 58 year old guy who saw Billie Eilish before she made any music was released other than SoundCloud. I'm the only 58 year old guy I know that that saw Odd Future at a street festival in Silver Lake 15 years ago. So you can't tell me that I'm not out there witnessing and watching. The people accusing me of being, oh, a grumpy old man that criticized, they don't go anywhere and see anything. They just want to be hip by saying, oh, yeah, I love so-and-so. I love No, go out there and watch it. It's boring as shit. You just walk away after 30 minutes. <laughs> it's just boring as shit. And then you go see Billie Eilish, and you just can't take It's amazing. She she's, needs to give you tickets. She's insecure she's overly confident she's she's makes mistakes and doesn't care and then you can see her you know angry that she made a mistake she's human that's what bob dylan was that's what the beatles were human what what we're describing the last 10 years of music is inhuman beyonce's not a human being she's a fucking robot <laughs> no she is a real she's a, she's a real person she made babies Ah, not you know without the spectacle of drum corps choirs and all this kind of stuff right. what is she i worked with her in 1997 on the say my name video it was a great song she was she's a great singer this stuff she does now you can't hear her sing it's like boom 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 let's boom. put a ring on it put a ring on it. <laughs> say my name say my name say my name is a great song do you think that people that like cardi b a lot right now dr drew loves cardi b you're kidding me because she's so ill-spoken you know what i mean she has no like every other now she's representing right really? you know, yeah, yeah she's that what? sounds what really, she that sounds really judgmental she's representing. Well, no, have you heard her talk chuck <laughs> yep Okay, oh, I'm, so, I'm I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed by a lot of it, but I'm also uh, I'm I'm not a fan of that. That doesn't. But I I. Well, how does it? How does how does Drew describe it then? What what is his fascination? That, he he's fascinated by somebody coming from that world and captivating media the way she has. Like it's a, it's, it's a study of, it's in part media, of her stick, right? It's, it's, it's part of her stick talking. It's just a like a study in media manipulation. 
right? Oh, if you, okay. Well, and and, and she's expert at it. The Kardashians are expert at it. Like Drew loves all that stuff of who can become c- control the narrative. Mm-hmm. Who controls the narrative in America? I can tell you the Kardashians, Donald Trump, Cardi B. How did these fucking three people become <laughs> controllers of the world? Can hardly even speak English. Have you seen that? Have you have you seen that movie yesterday yet? No, I want to see it. Uh, it Where it, he's the Beatles it, it's guy. It's way more than about the Beatles music and the guys. He's really likable. Uh, the story is a great story, but that's one of the things they do. They take him and they get they get a hold of him in the media machine, and they want to build him up to be this thing. Oh, yeah, and it's exactly what you were talking about. It's really I, I enjoyed the humor in it. Very. You know, British I talked to all these YouTubers and and whatever's now right now they want to like say something. They have all these followers. But they had no intention of what to do with them, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so now they're coming to me like as an authority on genuineness and authenticity, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm Fantastic. Like, ah, you know what I mean? And I, I'm flattered, but the idea is like, how do people that have nothing to say have have these platforms? to talk to millions of people it's presentation baby <laughs> it all boils down to one statement bob you're full of shit but i love you anyways <laughs> <laughs> well but people when they gain that kind of power they want to do something with it but since it was all achieved based on nothing they then don't know what to do with it right because right? It, it was it was it wasn't it's all Genuine just to make to money. With. It's right. just all to make money. Right. It, this it, whole society is all just based on to make money. And that making money is not the most important thing. It's not. That's how we've become so sick. Right. Right? I, 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 I'm trying to think of like gosh, making money, how, what on my, it's probably fourth. Like, you know, being physically healthy and not dying. That's a key top one for me. <laughs> At my age, um, my family, my friends, having fun, and and like helping addicts. I don't think I don't even. I swear to God, I don't think making money is even in my top five. No, nah. you know that's why I like that guy because that guy. Was I'm not like, lying. <clears throat> I I believe you because there's a lot of ways you could you could try and get after some money that you don't do. I mean, but I I don't understand what. What is a life only chasing money? What is it? Well, until they get there, until the money... But most people don't get there. They're just chasing it. Right. Well, that's that's why they're caught in the struggle. The people that get there go, wow, this wasn't what it was all about. And then when you get rich, it's like a weird sheltered life, man. It's like, you know, this weird sheltered sort of you're away from other people. <laughs> Have you, know, you ever heard Jeff that? Jeff Bevels just became the most, the, the rich, officially the richest person in the entire world. And he world. gave his wife $38 billion. Do you know that? Oh, is that? The guy who gave his, in his divorce settlement, he gave her $38 billion. Probably and he's still the richest. Richest man in the world. <laughs> that just fell that out of his pocket. That fucking Amazon is a fucking oh, yeah, hustle, yeah. man. A hustle. Uh, and I use it. I don't. Uh, I do. I like <laughs> going and buying shit. Uh, yeah, it depends on what it is, though. There's some stuff I already know what it is. I don't need to shop, and it's just easier. Yeah. How the fuck did they figure out? How did he figure out how to get the shit to you overnight? That's what I don't understand. Like, well, you know what? People smarter than us, Obviously, Mike. Wait a minute, Chuck. You Obviously, Mike it, uses it. I do, yeah. And I picked it up at this fucking place called The Beach, you know, which is like this Amazon locker thing. 
You oh, yeah, I've heard seen of those? those. I've seen They're them. They're fucking amazing, dude. It's there, <laughs> it's there overnight. The next day, so, it's there. So right now, if we ordered an iPad. It would be at the locker the next day. Oh, my God. I swear to God. Can you beat fucking, that? It's insane. But I like going to like a pawn shop and buying one for like 50 bucks and then it's broken. Then you got to go, <laughs> got to go to the place and get it fixed. And only, and the 60 bucks. So you got an iPad for 110 bucks and you supported two local businesses and you had fun and you talked at the pawn shop and you talked at the iPad fix it store. I just did that. And it took two weeks to go a block. Did you? Good. <laughs> No, I I enjoy I enjoy that stuff. I can tell you the conversations at the pawn shop are way better than the conversations at the iPad Fix It store. Oh, yeah. I bet the I iPad agree. Fix It store are probably not very communicative not people. Very, that's, they, that's that's some money not, making. That's some money making. Not a lot of interest. I had to ask him because it was two iPads, and I had to ask him because he returned the first one, and then the second one was more broken, and it was took two days later. And the first one he returned it back to me at one percent charge. And I said. Hey, on the next one, could you just charge 100%? And he's like, oh, sure. Like, why wouldn't you just... I didn't get into a conversation of why... You've had it for three days. Why wouldn't you just charge it? You have a million well, you chargers know even, here. You know what's even better That's is the true. swap meet because you there, you can't test it there, right? It's out <laughs> on a fucking thing and you're like, I wonder if that thing works. And he's like, because yeah, they it works. Stay- and you're like, well, I don't know it fucking works. And he goes, well, then I'll just make it 20 bucks. And you pay <laughs> yes! 20 bucks. <laughs> yes! And you take it home and it doesn't work and you That's go, That's way better than you Amazon. That's yeah, the human. you try human. and fix it and then you throw it away. You're like, ah, fuck, there goes 20 bucks. Whatever. It's only 20 bucks. Uh, Sometimes gambling. they work. Sometimes that, they work bitching. That's fun you know gambling. What I'm saying? I, I choose to still live the way that I grew up. And, and I get like I do get the eBay shit. You can't get it. So like I'm buying a, a Big Mac hat from some guy in Washington State. I can't get it from him. Right? <laughs> Did you all see the Mac picture hat. of the Big Mac hat? No. Oh, Sid was wearing it. Oh my God. I got uh, the, I rem- oh, I was it. I was going through eBay. And all of a sudden, this Big Mac hat comes up, and it's and I remember it from the mid to late '80s. They saw, the the people who worked at McDonald's wore Big Mac hats. The whole hat is made out of uh, like a Big Mac, and so I bought it <laughs> oh, on eBay. And then I had Sid wearing it the other day. It's a Big Mac hat, <laughs> oh, dude. Are you kidding great. me? How can you not buy a Big Mac hat uh, maybe. from the '80s when you see it? Maybe I did see her. You know, when I look at her, I just see I see her face and her eyes, and she's just so full of wonder. That's what I see. She is. I just else. see. I just see a kid that's Where just alive that with Big the world. Mac? There it is. Look at that Big Mac hat. Oh no! Dude, is that the that most is, badass thing in the world? That is a pretty cool Mike, hat, Mike. The entire hat is the Big Mac, and then it just has the golden arches on the front, like a baseball logo. Uh, message me that, and I'll put it on the. Uh... Okay. See you guys next time, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking live life, man. Live, Don't live, life. live, 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 And you know what? Meet if you your, get strung out on drugs, just fucking quit, man. Meet Don't your be neighbors. Fucking other weird meet shit. your neighbors. Go to the pawn just, shop. Like, go to the fucking rehab that says, no, nah, we're not going to give you drugs. Don't take the easy go way. Go see live music. Be a fucking human being. Go to the movies. Go see yesterday. It was good. Anyways, uh, we love you, junkies. We love you out there. See you next time. What happened to the music?